ever wake up with a feeling that you're already running out of time to do everything that day? There's just something about September. It's like time goes into warp speed and you're always rushing. So while you might yearn for a quiet, relaxing spot of escapism, it's harder than ever to find the time. It is indeed. September is crazy. So while I do love the big books, I am very grateful to the authors of short books and quick reads. I love books that you can read in one sitting. Oh, me too. Um, Is that what we're talking about today? It is, funnily enough. Did you not know? (laughs) You are listening to the Boundless Book Club from the Emirates Literature Foundation in Dubai. I'm Annabelle. I'm Andrea. And this is the Short Books for a Busy Life episode. Let's start with page count. I have two great books to recommend, and they all have fewer than 203 pages. What's your shortest book, and why do you recommend it apart from brevity? Okay, so let me tell you about my shortest book. The year is 1962. You're 21 years old, and you are in love. You're about to be married to the man you love about all others, Edward. After the ceremony, you go to a hotel on Chesil Beach, but it's all really awkward. At the dinner, the waiters make you feel like you're kids instead of the adults that you're supposed to be. And every second is bringing you closer to the wedding night, which you've been prepared for only with a book for brides, which makes the event sound like a hostile invasion, which of course makes you dread it even more. If it wasn't so loaded, it could have been a comedy of errors, but this is not funny. You and your new husband are both feeling the tension and the pressure and the expectation and the fear, which culminates in a big fight on the beach. You just want to be happy together and Edward just wants you, but all the words are coming out wrong and you leave, not sure what happened but you're sure that it can't be repaired. So this is a story of secrets that are pushed down so far that you never have to look at them again. And then how those secrets come back to to, um, affect you. It's a story about misunderstanding and the real permanent impact of rash words when you're actually quite young. And the book is called On Chesil Beach. It's by Ian McEwan, and it's a really beautiful little thing. And it's only about 160 pages. So it's a really short book, but it stays with you for a really long time. Um, So it packs packs a punch in a short space of time. Indeed. I haven't actually read On Chesil Beach, but I do remember years ago someone telling me about it and it was being talked about quite a lot because of the film adaptation I think there was even a screening here at uh, the Dubai Film Festival and people were just saying that it was it's a beautiful story about something quite awkward and probably like you would assume it would be very difficult to write about that and about that awkwardness and still make it beautiful and um, I mean I haven't read it I'm just going off of what you and other people have told me 
it's it's really beautiful and there's a a, a part of it that when because I, I read up on what other people are saying about it online there's a part of it which I reacted quite strongly to but apparently a lot of people didn't even pick up on so that's a little thing for people to if you decide to read it to mm. um, think about because to me it was so apparent what caused this but other people had other takes on it um, and Ian McEwan himself said that as he was writing it, he scaled back and scaled back and scaled back on this until it was just a tiny little hint. Um, and that's, I think, what's made it so wonderful that he really has taken the time to, to take away all the unnecessary words to leave it really poignant. Um, I now immediately need to go away and read this because I just, I want to know. Yes. I don't know what this is. <laughs> What's, what's your book? What's your first book out of the two? Okay. I'm going to take you to Japan for the first one. Imagine your days are numbered. You're told by the doctor that you only have a few weeks left to live. You make a bucket list of all the things you want to do before you shuffle off the mortal coil. So far, so standard, if not incredibly tragic how would you then feel if someone gave you a chance to add some extra days to your time on earth and how would you feel if that someone was the devil himself but your doppelganger save for the fact that he wears garish hawaiian print shirts and sunglasses all the time i think i would feel quite confused by this <laughs> then you would feel the way i felt as i read this book andrea so if Cats Disappeared from the World by Genki Kawamura is the short book that I'm recommending. It clocks in at 202 pages. I actually listened to it on audiobook and I recommend that. It's a lovely short story to, short book to have on in the car while you're commuting. Um, the catch with this getting extra days in this story is that obviously there's, there's going to be a catch as there always is with the devil. And he has to decide, the narrator has to decide something in the world to get rid of entirely in exchange for that extra day. And so, he chooses cats and not cockroaches? No, well, that's the thing. So if you'll pose this question without reading the book, immediately thinking right first thing I'm going to get rid of is you know Brussels sprouts I mean I actually like Brussels sprouts but a lot of people don't so yeah no more Brussels sprouts in the world etc etc but the devil makes it quite clear early on and as a reader you realize that the stakes have to be higher because life is worth more than that in the world of this book so he kind of says look you have to get rid of higher stakes items and it starts off with chocolate and then it progresses to okay uh, what if we got rid of movies? What if we got rid of mobile phones? What if we got rid of uh, the concept of keeping track of time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it escalates and it escalates and it escalates. And the book is essentially, if I'm trying, if I try to explain this to you, in, if I was trying to give this to somebody and they were asking me, okay, but what's 
would I like this? I'd say it's the kind of short novel to give to someone who wants a fresh take on the Faust story. Um, if you like quirky stories that don't necessarily make all of the sense. So if you like Convenience Store Woman, for example, you'd probably like this. And if you also like Tuesdays with Maury, because it's a sort of weird Faust take on like what it means to live a worthwhile life, if that makes sense. Um, and if it doesn't, that's also fine. <laughs> Would you say that it's suitable for people who like Haruki Murakami? Is it that kind of weirdness? I don't think I've read enough Murakami to be able to advise on that. Okay. I did see some reviews that compared the two in terms of just being, if you're at home with the strange. So if you, if you like Murakami, you'll probably find that the this Kawamura book is like normal like on the same level okay however there were a couple of comments about the fact that the language is a little more straightforward and there were questions about whether or not the translation was maybe letting it down in terms of the tone of voice being oh. very basic here and there interesting I'm still glad I read it though it was interesting it made me think I liked the concept I liked the way he worked with this whole Faust story because it's been done quite a lot. I was going to say done to death, but that seemed <laughs> <laughs> seemed a terrible pun. Um, it has been done a lot. So to see a fresh take on this was quite interesting. I read this because it sold 2 million copies in Japan <gasps> and I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. Yeah, it's super popular in Japan. That's amazing. Um, yeah. What's your next book? So my next book is... Um... The Pursuit of Love by Nancy Mitford. Um, did you watch the recent BBC adaptation? I don't know what you're talking about, so no. Oh my God, it's absolutely amazing. So BBC did uh, like a four-parter, I think, of this book, which was brilliant. But as always, the book is better, of course. Um, and it's it comes in under 200 pages. It's like 180, but I have to admit that the print is like tiny. So if you had a proper copy of this, it might be just over 200 pages. Um, okay. But it's really You're in fun. on a technicality. Yes, it's really fun. The story is told by our narrator, Fanny, who guides us through this delightful and slightly um, snarky uh, tale of an absolutely bonkers upper crust English family. Um, Fanny's mum has a habit of falling in love and leaving with various men to the extent that her family and friends now call her the bolter because that's what she does. <laughs> <laughs> I love it already. Yes, it's so funny. So Fanny is left uh, to be brought up by her aunt Emily and then for holidays, that she sends her off to her absolutely terrifying Uncle Matthew and her cousins. And, um, and in this big, great country estate, the children spend almost all their time tucked up in the airing cupboard because it's the only warm place in this huge place. Um, and that's where they uh, learn about sex from a book about ducks and duck breeding because Uncle Matthew does not approve of education for girls 
He does not approve of frogs or Americans or Catholics or foreigners or Fanny uh, for that matter, because he often complains that she is quite charmless. <laughs> he's just, he's just hilarious character in this. So Linda, who's Fanny's beautiful cousin, her favorite person in the world, best friend and the headliner in this story, really. Linda is free to spend her days dreaming about love and romance and adventure. And um, it, here's a direct quote from the book I've pulled out for you. The Radlets were always either at peak of happiness or drowning in black waters of despair. Their emotions were on no ordinary plane. They loved or they loathed. They laughed or they cried. They lived in a world of superlatives. And this is surprisingly not a recipe for a stable future home life. So while one husband becomes Linda's route out of Alkenley Manor, another one provides an escape route from that boredom trap. And this is all told in this fabulously wry and wicked voice, even as the blitz kind of tears down the country around them. It's just really funny. Um, and apparently Evelyn Bohr, who we actually spoke about on our classics episode, he once mm. wrote to Nancy Mitford and said that the charm of your writing depends on your absolute refusal to recognize the distinction between girlies chatter and literary language. So that's kind of what you can expect from this. And it's really lovely. Mitford, one of the Mitford sisters that have some kind of weird tangled history. Oh yes, very, very weird. And this is based on a real story, like her story, I believe. And she really did have um, this person, this crazy person in her family who would sort of stride around the manor with a shotgun looking for foreigners. But completely bananas, um, which makes it even better almost. So thoroughly recommend, read the book, and then also watch the BBC adaptation. In that order? Yes, I think so. Okay, I have another weird one for you. And I have some fun facts about the author as well, but I'll get to those in a minute. There is no better introduction to the intrigue and the chilling tone of the novel that I'm about to recommend you than its own opening paragraph. And I shall read it to you now. My name is Mary Catherine Blackwood. I am 18 years old and I live with my sister Constance. I have often thought that with any luck at all, I could have been born a werewolf because the two middle fingers on both my hands are the same length, but I've had to be content with what I had. I dislike washing myself and dogs and noise. I like my sister Constance and Richard Plantagenet, and Amanita Phalloides, the death cup mushroom. Everyone else in our family is dead. <laughs> that is I am quite something. The writing in this book is amazing. I love it so much. Uh, it is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. And it is 147 pages long. And the type is decent as well. So it's definitely a read in one sitting or read in two sittings with maybe a tea break in the middle kind of book. There's also, it, it's incredibly funny, but also very twisted and weird. You're constantly wondering what happened to her family, obviously. 
Um, Mary Catherine Blackwood, as you can hear from that introduction, is a very strange character. There's something sinister about the choice choices of the words that she used, the way that she speaks with her sister in the house. You meet her first as she's actually returning from the village back to the house with the weekly shop. And she's playing this sort of game where she wins points the fewer interactions that she has with the people around her. And essentially you get this impression from her and also from the actual action that you see unfurl in the story that the villagers absolutely despise her, her sister and the Blackwood family. And you're made very, you're made very aware early on that something happened uh, the family is dead. There is something odd going on in the house and you don't know what it is. And added to that is the fact that if you know Shirley Jackson's other books and you come to this one, she wrote The Haunting of Hill House. So your mind's already playing tricks on you because you're thinking, okay, is this a story where there's supernatural elements? Is it just a straightforward mystery? What's going on here? And the real power of the book is all of the things that your mind does when you're reading because you don't 100% know what's going on. But there's also really beautiful language as well. So lines like, I was pretending that I did not speak their language. On the moon, we spoke a soft liquid tongue and sang in the starlight, looking down on the dead, dried world. Uh, fans of her work include, as you might expect, Stephen King, Joyce Carol Oates, Neil Gaiman, and... I know our, one of our favorites, Donna Tartt. She sadly died at the age of 48. Oh. Think of all of the books we could have had. But yeah, she died super young. Um, and since reading, we have always lived in the castle. I'm slightly annoyed that I found out not in time to read it before the podcast. But she had a modern horror story, um, The Lottery, which was published in 1948. And it was apparently super controversial incurred the wrath of so many readers they wrote into her and some of the responses when it was published include i will never buy the new yorker again i resent being tricked into reading perverted stories like the lottery this is a reader from massachusetts and camilla ballou of saint paul minnesota said i read it while soaking in the tub and was tempted to put my head underwater and end it all <laughs> that is some harsh words yeah yeah. Wow. So we have always lived in the castle by Shirley Jackson. Highly recommend. And I will immediately be going on to read this short story that apparently many readers in 1948 absolutely despised. Please share it with me. That sounds amazing. I, <laughs> um, I have one more. It's a bonus one. It's a very short recommendation. Oh, okay. Um, first, I want you to guess whose voice I'm doing. I'm not going to try to do the accent, just a voice. Mm -hmm. As you may know, I used to make a program called Top Gear. Now I just hang around the house doing nothing. Is, is that your impression of Jeremy Clarkson? <laughs> Was it good? So my, my bonus book is John Crace's collection, The Digested 21st Century, for when even a short book is too long. So the words I just read is from his digested read of Jeremy Clarkson's full big book. 
So he summarizes it in the tone of voice of the author with the same vocabulary and just the essence of the book into like ah. 500 words. Um, and it's just brilliant. It just all the flaws and nonsense and insecurities are just perfectly encapsulated in brilliant satire. So this is a collection of like, cause I've seen his pieces online. Yeah. And so this is like them all collated together. Yes, yeah. So he used okay. to do these for The Guardian. I think he stopped a few years ago. Um, but there's, so this is quite an old collection, but it's just so funny and so brilliant. And there are some books that just, you might not be interested in reading, but the satire short version is actually fantastic. So um, this is your opportunity to digest a whole book in 500 words. That's it from us today on the Boundless Book Club. Thank you for listening. Do send your recommendations of short and sweet reads to, or not necessarily sweet, to comms at emirateslitfest.com. We'll be back in two weeks with an episode all about books about books. It's very meta. If you love interesting conversations and fantastic authors, you should tune into the Best of Emirates Lip Fest podcast. Hear from literary superstars including Ian Rankin, David Walliams, Amin Malouf, Malala, Elif Shafak and many more. Subscribe today using the link in the show notes.